0: If sexual assault and suicide triggers you, skip this episode. If hearing about how to triumph over experiences like this inspires you, please listen.
1: Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice,
2: rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive.
1: I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Her wild podcast listeners, we are broadcasting today from the rewilding retreat in Nosara, Costa Rica. So, I'm here with my beautiful co host, Kate. Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are relaxed and uh, working through beautiful layers as we do on retreat, eating good food and. Uh, digging in uh, to the work. And we've been commenting a lot about what it's like to watch people literally rewilding in the moment mm-hmm. that we're, we're visually seeing it happen. And it is something to behold. Wouldn't you say, Kate? I would. It's being in this place where it's so,
2: you're so in touch with nature immediately. There is, and the collective Part of this has made it very, it's like, it speeds up a process that I think sometimes can take years. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really been wonderful. We have about 30 women and two men. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a great energy with this group and it's just been an absolute, uh, joy to like witness, um,
1: even though it's hard and it's hot and it's messy, (laughs) but it's,
2: yeah, it's really, really powerful.
1: And we're on day four of the teachings. And so we've been working with the elements. We worked with the earth on day one, we worked with water on day two fire yesterday and into today. And now we're starting to work with air and how those elements really help us with our own rewilding process or returning to our essence. And it helps that we have this wild jungle surrounding us with monkeys and butterflies and lizards. And so we we really are in the wild, which I think is hastening this process for so many people. Absolutely. So Kate and I have all week been talking about, okay, what's our podcast theme? What do we want to talk about? There's so many different aspects of this experience that we'd love to share with our listeners. And then we had a really powerful conversation this morning with someone who is near and dear to both of our hearts. And Kate and I had this look, we looked at each other and we both were like, do, 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 bingo, that this was the person that needed to come on the podcast today. So I do not have a official bio that I'm reading because we just figured this out, but I think I can speak pretty well to who this person is. And then she can add anything in that I'm missing. So our guest today is what I would call the original wild woman, wild girl turned into wild woman. And that's really what we're gonna dive into today. I met her nine years ago and what I, I was in a yoga, I was taking a yoga class and her mat was next to me and I could not take my eyes off of her arms because her arms have the most beautiful tapestry of tattoos and colors and uh, symbolism. And I was a jealous because I wanted those arms and b didn't think I would ever have the courage <laughs> to do that. So that was my initial meeting with this person. Little did I know what an important part she would be in my life. So drumroll. we are interviewing Kimberly Yeager Argus. Kimberly is a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher. She is brilliant with children. She is a mother. She is a deep rester. She knows the art of resting. She is uh, one of my number one support systems in my studio and in my life. And the reason Kate and I are so excited to talk to her today is as we've been talking this week about rewilding and letting things go and getting out of the proverbial box, she Sort of secondhandedly commented to me, I don't think I ever unwilded. I've always been wild. And Kate and I were like, oh, we want to talk to someone like this who feels like they've always been connected to their wild. So welcome, Kimberly. Welcome. We love you and we're so excited to have you. Thank you so much. And when they kind of
0: came to this agreement, I was like, yes. So so excited because, of course, I listened to all the podcasts and I can hear them all replaying my, in my head as far as what questions going to come soon. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you for that introduction. Yes.
1: Did I leave anything out? Do you need to add anything? Um, I, Your
0: mom. I'm a mother. Well, she's a mother, a wife, I, I'm just Hello. a tribute to my, my husband, Matthew, and then um, a daughter, which I think we'll dive into a lot of the influence that my mother has on me as a wild woman, an OG wild woman. OG, she's the OG.
2: (laughs) So on that note, let's just start right off with your first 10 years and what experiences, what was your childhood like? How did you come into this world and how were you raised in those early years that you remember um, having such an impact early on?
0: Well, a funny thing about that, as you ask, is I, I instantly went to My mother's story, she always tells about how she thought I was a parasite. Like when she found out that (laughs) she was pregnant with me, it was like. She went to the doctor and she's like i think i just got a parasite <laughs> from the water not
1: feeling
2: well i'm not feeling oh, well um so i love every, that she told you that
0: yeah every <laughs> time that she uh tells that story i'm just like oh gosh a part of me is like i was unwanted but <laughs> I, I know that at the core of it parasites are pretty wild yeah so. and yeah. strong like they live on yeah through yeah. anything yeah so i'm i'm re-imagining her story as we speak but um <laughs> I came in really quick with like very unpredictably fast for my mother. She tells the story of how the doctor had to like garb up so quick and catch me because I was just ready to come out. Um, But also up to that point, I was really resistant. So like the paradox already started in the womb of me and um, everything that I was about, the unpredictability of me and the wildness of my unique self, I think, started in the womb. And, um, being raised, um, you know, super wild, I guess, like I, for the longest time thought I was a boy, you know, my mother like didn't have any restrictions on, you know, like gender roles or anything like that. So I even played boys, I played a soccer team with the boys. Um, there wasn't any girl soccer teams and I was really drawn towards sports at a really young age because I was always out with my dad, you know, cutting wood and playing with Balls and being really like interested in um, physical activity, it was really hyper. Uh, so I just really related more towards the boys in my school and started a soccer team with them, which I played for a few years. And at that point, I was like dressing like the boys at my school. You know, I was wearing sweatpants, swishy pants, and big oversized t-shirts. But that's also like part of the '80s too. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't ever want to wear dresses. Um, I didn't even like when girls started putting on makeup, I was like, I don't understand why, like, I like my crazy hair and my blemishes or, you know, I was just kind of like an outlier as, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Betsy kind of mentioned today. And, um, yeah, I would even, you know, when I'd have girlfriends play, we'd, they'd play super like traditional with their Barbies. Like here's 10 and here's um, Barbie and here's their children. And I'd be like taking Barbie and like putting tattoos all over with permanent (laughs) markers and piercing her nose and her ears, like any place that I could, you know, push an earring into. I was just like, This is my Barbie. (laughs) So
2: Uh, perfect for you. Oh my God. I have to admit admit that I cut Skipper's hair off. (laughs) Yeah. Because I had shorter hair and I was like, screw this. (laughs) And I like
1: chopped Skipper's hair off, and then my mom's like, And I pierced, I pierced Barbie's ears and I thought that was wild, but the, I didn't pierce the (laughs) nose or the tattoo. (laughs) I didn't put any tattoos on my Barbie.
2: That was foreshadowing. I think Mm -hmm. think so.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't
0: even like, I don't remember even seeing anyone with tattoos in my life. It wasn't very socialized at that point. And so I don't even know where that, I mean, of course, some form of my intuition probably was, you know, yeah. But that was part of that. Or yeah, like you said, foreshadowing. Yeah, I was really unrefined, you know, as maybe
1: I'm um, like a feral child in yeah. all the best way. <laughs> yeah, like, and I mean that in the highest form of compliment. Yeah. I think all children should be feral, like yeah. the ones that get socialized. That's where, that's why this rewilding process is necessary. And why I think you're so unique. You're like I, I don't need to rewild. I've always been wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like
2: your parents were really supportive of just allowing you to be you. They, there wasn't, you know. Tell us about kind of how you were your mom and yeah.
0: yeah yeah my mom definitely enforced like the wild in me and um I just feel like taking a moment to just thank her for that because I don't think I've really you know um give, given her that credit for my wild woman self uh that I've grown into today because she really kind of almost at times to a fault encouraged me to be so different you know um because she knew that I was, and she was like, "You're not like anyone else. Like, don't try to be. Like, mm. do your own thing. Make your own path." You know, she was really um, enforcing that kind of uniqueness in me from a very young age. She knew that I could like light the f- the like light a fire on this world um, and and be something that no one else is. Um, and I didn't really at the at in the beginning, I didn't really you know, accept that I was kind of like, but I want to be like everybody else in a way, you know, when I got into grade school and I started seeing these social constructs of, um, you know, cliques and, uh, social groups and, you know, what people kind of gravitate towards in this idea of belonging. And, um, I wanted to belong. We all do. Um, and, uh, I felt like I had a very limited, um, a limited spectrum of who to belong to in my grade school. And so then, you know, my mom would come pick me up from school and she'd be like wearing a lampshade around her neck and she'd have like colors that weren't even invented yet. And can, she, ooh, her can hair I just go back a lampshade around the
1: neck. Like yeah. I want to, I want to know about yeah. that. So I mean, she, can we get a picture? Of this? Oh my
0: gosh. She would take apart like just household items and wear them as jewelry or she'd make her own. She just was such a trendsetter and like made her own. Fashion. Like she, again, she was the OG. She didn't follow anyone's rules, especially when it came to her presentation of like showing up at my school and me being completely embarrassed by her and being like, oh my gosh, I have to like get into my mom's car now and everybody's looking and she's wearing, you know, the craziest things. Um, I, I think I even remember one time saying to her, like, why aren't you like all the other parents, you know, why can't you just be normal? And, um, I'm sure that really hurt and stung, but at the same time, my mom has such an unapologetic nature to her that she was probably, it probably also fueled her fire of like, I'm going to just step out even more tomorrow. And I'm going to even show her what else I can do with my style. I mean, her hair was always changing and, um, yeah, she's just, and, and, and I, And as I get to know my mother, and as I age in my mothering, I'm sure that that took a lot of bravery and courage for her to to step out of the boxes that were set up for her as a child, because I don't think that she was raised quite like the way she raised me. Um, And I don't want to make assumptions, but just from stories, I just hear, you know, it was a lot more Uh, conservative. And, and um, she went to a Catholic church, and she had to wear a uniform. And even then, um, she was trying to break out of the box, like she'd hike her skirt up too high, or, you know, she'd wear something that they told her not to wear. And she'd continue to push the boundaries of like, what was socially acceptable. And like that, if that's not wild, I don't know what is,
1: for sure. And that's so embedded in you. And I will say that, you are one of the most fashionable people I know. <laughs> and the way you put things together and wear things clearly comes from your mom. She mm-hmm. modeled that. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. modeled like, and I will look at that and I'll be like, I had no idea those things would work together, but <laughs> they do on Kimberly. Like, I
2: love to come in and see
1: what you're wearing. And don't you have a role that you won't spend more than $5 per item of clothing or something like
0: that? Yeah, I do a lot of mine through secondhand and like recycling. And um, if I am buying it new, I really have to say like the, is it a fuck yes or is it a no? <laughs> kind of like, even if I try it on, it's like, this is cute, but is it like, is it a hell yes? You know, um, because I just think that there's so many unique clothes for me that are looking for me that aren't something that I need to spend a lot of money on and I've been really gifted with just like the cir- the circles I'm in that do frock swaps and um, you know finding finding good finds at like uh, Goodwill and even Plato's closet you have to search through there's a lot of like trendy clothes and um in my kind of fashion style it's like I don't want to look like anyone else like I don't want to dress you like do not look like else. anyone yeah. else yeah. I just yeah. want to yeah.
1: like help you know <laughs> that you no, you're so, yeah. it's
0: so it's so subconscious too like or unconscious the I don't want to look like everybody else because like I'll go in there and I'll just like find something that's so wild and that's
2: it's like that's me that's fine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like too, your style and then the fact that you're, you've always been in your body and you're extremely mm. strong mm. and physical and mm-hmm. you, it, you have this feminine masculine balance, even in just your aura and your, your presentation to mm. the world, like, cause you, you're strong, but you have beautiful feminine side that comes through too so yeah so loving so compassionate oh my
0: gosh thank you it's uh, taking a lot of work to balance those two you know so thank you for witnessing that no i Mm. definitely see that in you so what was high school you got into yeah i was into sports like right away as a young person and um that was kind of like just my navigation tool um that was like where I was most of my time, you know, a lot of the time, I remember at one point being on like seven different soccer teams or something like that. I was on a club team. I was on a town team. I was on a, you know, YMCA team. And it was, I was always interchanging practices with other people. And, and then I was like, you know, like so many different um, teams at the same time, it really kept me busy. And I'm sure now looking back, And knowing my hyperactive self and seeing my hyperactive children, it was probably really good for me to stay involved and kind of exhaust some of that like fire in me that I later in life, you know, am still balancing out. Um, But yeah, so then I got into high school and I um, remember just again, trying to belong um, with people that um, maybe had a more normal identity or more like traditional traditional identity or um and maybe again assuming since like I don't know what they were feeling but I just never felt like I was like everyone else and I wanted to be like I I I, there was a part of me that wanted to be there was a part of me that knew that I never could be Mm. um but I still it was I think part of the you know, the plan for me as a teenager was just to kind of navigate those waters of who am I, and what do I want, and who do I want to be friends with, and uh, I'm, I found myself, like, really um, eclectic in my friend, friend's group through high school. I was friends with the athletes, and I was friends with the so-called popular people, and I was friends with you know, the people that would be considered Gothic. And I was friends with the people that skipped school. And I was friends with the people that didn't do anything naughty. Like I had such a wide range of friends that, um, I kind of just became
2: close with. Um, so that seems like a thread of your life though, yeah. because you are the most inclusive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have a person. deep desire to, mm-hmm. yes, to be inclusive. And you are always conscious of that and mindful of that. And I, yeah. yeah
1: so so mm, I, I'm I, yeah I take that, that in oh my gosh yeah. it's, take that in.
0: it's such a priority for me yeah. so well, like, it always has been mm-hmm, so
1: that's mm-hmm. very clear that's it a- so I love this idea that you were this wild feral child <laughs> you continued that theme into high school and you were you know you had all these different friend groups But there was a part of you that wanted to conform, but you said, I knew that I couldn't. I knew that it wasn't in me. Mm -hmm. So will you take us forward? Because you've described to me, and at some point in time, that there was a period of time where you did start to conform and move into a box, and then it really turned in a challenging direction.
0: Yeah, Um, so I think that there was pieces of that you know, in high school of like pretending, you know, that pretending masking and pretending to be something that I wasn't. And I, um, as I, I went through high school and then I graduated and I got a scholarship to play soccer at a big university. And, um, I played there for a while and I was like feeling really wild. I, I felt myself, I was in my body cause I was playing soccer and I was learning all about the different things that I could do with my body physically because we were in the weight room and we were doing diet and nutrition and I was eating all the food that you do your freshman and sophomore years in college, right? Um, I felt really good and kind of invincible my first couple years of college and then um, I hit, um, a, I think this is my door as we later explained, but um, you know, this I was taken advantage of. Uh, it was like I came to a point in my life where um, the wild was unsafe for me. So me being wild and free and, and doing what I wanted to, and even being out of my parents' home, which also felt like another level of freedom, even though they weren't really restricting at all. Um, I was kind of forgotten about since I was the third kid, but, um, I was taken advantage of by being so wild. And I kind of, you know, just at that point that, that scar, you know, it, it drew me back and, not even into myself, it drew me out of myself, out of my body, out of everything that I knew. And, um, I had a big wound, I guess, and, um, trying to kind of navigate that space, that liminal space between knowing my authentic self is wild and free, but then being, but untrusting, like not no longer trusting that. Mm -hmm. And then seeing that the only other option was to be like everyone else. And I was like, I can't do either of these things. Mm. Like I can't trust my wild and I can't be like everybody else. And so then I was just really lost and I resorted to a lot of drugs and alcohol and fake friends and, you know, um, unstable uh, relationships and unstable people. And, um, and that kind of propelled me in, you know, leaving that school and, going out west and traveling to uh, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and kind of like exploring all of that. But I was so still lost. Like I wasn't connected to anything. I was so away from everything and disconnected so much that I got to a point where I was like, this life isn't for me. Mm. This life isn't for me. This, I don't belong to this life. No one no one even cares or, you know, um, I don't even care. I think that was the biggest thing. People cared about me, of course, but I didn't care about life. And so I, I tried to let life go. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't need this anymore. And, um, I, I tried to end it all because, uh, I didn't know what else to do. I felt like that was the only thing for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that was a big part of my like losing the wild
1: and, and trying to conform and trying and fit to fit into mm-hmm. some other box that also didn't fit or mm-hmm. work for you.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you alone at that time? Were you living alone, or were you?
0: um I felt alone, but I was living with some friends um, at this point in Iowa City that cared about me, and you know. Um, you know called and and was like you need help after after the experience of me trying to take my own life um i remember being surrounded by friends that weren't really close friends again i had no idea what a close friend was like i was so out of myself that i was just kind of taking whatever was there and Mm. they were good people i'm I'm sure because they wanted me to be well Mm. Um, I mean, they, they wanted, they were, that was scary for them to, um, to, to even like think about. And so they called for help and, you know, my parents took action as any parent would in the whole situation of trying to get me. And this was the second thing my parents had to go through with me, right. The first of me, you know, being taken advantage and being raped in college. And then me um, trying to take my own life, like, as a teenager, I can only imagine my kids going through this in such a short amount of time and being like, what do, you Mm. know, like what, what is here to do? Like, what can we help with besides just love uh, this person? And so um, that, yeah, at that point, you know, there's not much that my parents could do because I wanted to still figure it out on my own. Mm. And um, I didn't really look to them as like, oh, you can help me.
2: Well, you were raised to be so independent.
0: Yeah. And I was, that was when my independence really kicked in. And it was almost like I was distancing myself from like the people who truly could and wanted to help me at that point, which again, drove me even deeper into this separation with myself. But then it took me, you know, in my independence, took me out to travel and kind of see a little bit more outside of my uh, comfort zone even more than you know, outside of Iowa, outside of where I grew up, outside of everything familiar, which was such a joy ride, but also very uh, thrilling and dangerous and, uh, you know, like joyful, I guess, from a, a level of like being young and living in a big city. Um, but then, of course, as things do, something drew me back um, after that adventure. Drew me back. Um, I'm sure it was my my love, my husband, who you know secretly whispered into the ethers like, "Come home, come home, come, come home, <laughs> come home so to Iowa." You, you
2: met him right when you came back.
0: I went to high school with my or my husband.
2: Reconnected, but
0: reconnected when I came home. Yeah, just out of the blue, I was like on my last string, no job, no home. I was living at my parents. I felt like such a a failure. I mean. I had gone through some d- deep mud before yeah, this, of course. Really, so like yeah. it wasn't anything new for me, but I also was just like, whatever, like, you know, everything's up from here, you know? And so right. I just remember having just such a crush on my husband through Facebook. It was really active. And I just texted him and I was like,
1: you want to hang out? (laughs) And he clearly said, yeah. 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 So So you started to mm -hmm. find your way back to the wild. So you Mm -hmm. had clearly this really low point where you're ready to give up. And then you started to like sniff out the path in a way that was going to take you back to your wild. Will you tell us more about that? Cause I think, um, people will really relate whether, I mean, you clearly, I think everyone starts in their wild and then we disconnect to mm. get into the box. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you get your way back to that wild essence that mm-hmm. you all along knew was you? Um How did you do that? I think it finds us really
0: mm-hmm. like I really, you know, because I can't pinpoint a moment where I was like, I need to return,
2: mm-hmm. you know, like
0: I, I think that it just like, you know, having knowing that you're loved or feeling that love and support and feeling that ground, which, you know, people can offer you that steadiness. Like I read a book about um, the quarter life and how like, and I was very far from my quarter life at this point, but people are either seeking purpose or they're seeking stability. And I know it's not as binary as that, but it really, for me, that really resonates as far as I was seeking stability at that point, And I was offered it, you know, my husband and my family and his family, like really offered it. And the birth of my first child, like that all like, you know, grounded me, whether I wanted to be grounded or not, that all kind of grounded me and was like, this is a safe landing. Like this is a safe landing. So after, you know, experiencing postpartum, which a lot of us do with our first child and still not being connected to myself, I was like, I need I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. I mm. you get to that point, I guess this is it when you're just like, there's something that's when I started seeking purpose. Mm. Right. So it went from like seeking the stability to seeking purpose. And, um, I found it. I mean, I asked for it, I guess at some point, um, I don't really remember when probably late at night, when you're just like, come, when I'm laying in bed oh, and I'm just yeah. like, help you know and you call out to everything and everyone for help um and then i went to a yoga class with Marsha nealon and she moved me in a way that i hadn't been moved in a while and she told me what i needed to hear while moving me in that way and i was just like
2: i remember did you get Mm -hmm. back in your i
0: remember i got back into this physical body that you know was was my wild, you know, my physical Mm. sense of climbing in trees and, you know, like, yeah, running around and being free. The body was what did that for me. So she brought me back into my body. Mm. So she, you know, if, if I was rewilded at that, at that moment, Marsha Nealon, (laughs) Marsha got me back into my wild of my body. And, um, so it was a beautiful, uh, thing to just like, Almost so instantly. Um
1: did I, meet, did I meet you shortly after? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's super fascinating mm-hmm. too that you were just kind of getting back in your body and rewilding. And here I am next to you on a yoga mat mm-hmm. and I in Marsha Nealon's class. And I am like, I want to know this person. There's <laughs> something I wanted I, to know you There's too. something about her yeah. that I want to know. And we've laughed that I think clearly, I believe I was also seeking out the wild and wanting the wild, because that was at a tough transition point for me and my as I kind of transitioned to 40 and was getting sick. Um, And it's clearly I, you are sort of a representation of the wild energy. And Mm. I, I was like, I want that I want that. So like, clearly, I wanted to know you, Mm. but I think I also wanted that wild energy. Yeah.
2: And I think that is the for women, that is something to think about that, If you are in a place where you're needing that, you can find that in another sister. You Mm, can find that, and I I think we've seen that this week. Mm, Yeah, You see people drawn to each other that that are at different phases of kind of their growth. They're rewilding, but they're rewilding Mm -hmm. together, and there's this collective like support that you know we are drawn to people, their energy, their yeah. And so I think women that are out of the box that that appear to be you know kind of moving forward in a way that you s- to seek you tend to be drawn to that and mm-hmm. so yeah and that's obviously what kind of brought you together too mm-hmm. friends
1: and, mm-hmm. yeah. and now I hope she never leaves my side
2: <laughs> well I'm going to tell that story because you reached out to me when you were mm-hmm. like I think I should be working you know more of a nine to five and you know Kate <laughs> I need my resume looked at and, and I was like how many
1: years ago was this it was probably five. We, yeah,
0: we first had started at the studio and you're like, I don't know. Like, I don't think I haven't. Uh, I was working part-time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And I looked at your resume and I was like, mm, I this does not feel like the person that I know. <laughs> even though it was all true. Mm-hmm. It, what you wanted didn't feel like you even. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you knew that too. Yeah. You're like, I'm looking at these jobs. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, you are meant to share your gifts mm-hmm. in the way that you are because you- I mean, you're so playful and this, the the work you do allows you to be playful.
1: So many of the boxes, Mm -hmm.
2: traditional boxes don't have that element and that is just your essence. Yeah. So
1: yeah. Like on some level, Kate, you knew that if she was going to get into an office job, that that wild was going to get sucked out of her again. And it's like, she had just reconnected to it and was building it up. And on some level, it was like, uh, uh, that office job isn't going to quite work for you. Right. It felt more like what you thought you
2: needed to do.
0: And we Um, joked earlier that Kate was also projecting, probably like, I'm trying to get out of this. Yeah, yeah, don't come, do not come this way. Do not, (laughs) return, go back, go back. That was part of your protecting me as (laughs) as a friend and supporting me and being like, this isn't going to fit for you. Like Mm -hmm. you're in the right place right now to explore and stay creative and, you know, expand where you Mm -hmm. are. Yeah. Yeah. Which
2: is really what you've done. Yeah. So now you are teaching and you are a a mom to two great boys. Two great boys. Two wild boys. Two wild boys. She She runs the
1: studio. Yeah. Heartland Yoga. Yeah. And what I would really love for you to talk about is your social activism. Mm -hmm. You are such an inspiration to me because I've learned so much by hearing from you, talking to you, watching you. I remember there was a moment maybe in this last year where you were just offhandedly talking about all the yoga classes you teach. And most of them were in spaces for underserved populations, you're working at a boys home, you're working in the prisons. And I was like, I had no idea you were doing all of this. And just so honor this deep heart and fire you have for helping the underdogs and helping um, underrepresented folks. And so where did that come from? And, and why is it such a fire for you mm. inside
0: Whew, that's such a deep question for me because I remember going through teacher training and being like, I don't think I'll ever teach in a studio (laughs) because there's so many other spaces that I see the need for a practice that can do what it has done for me, the returning to the self, the returning to the body, the returning to the senses even, you know? like, And so I remember even we had, Um, a project at the end like we had to find our niche and we had to write about it and then we had to teach about it towards the end of teacher training and I remember putting the prisons or something with you know the correctional facilities as being something that I would want to teach to because I just feel the draw towards service to be of service and of course in a studio you can be and I am of service in a studio but I was also like yoga is for everybody, right? It's for everybody, even the people that don't even think that they deserve it, especially them. Right. And so shortly after, you know, getting my certificate, I, you know, started a, a yoga at a farm, of course, because I needed an income. I started working with you best so kind of creating a position with you. And then I started teaching at the shelters and really just learning, Um, the process of going from like oh I can save people (laughs) like the joke or the the this like fallacy of like oh I can be the savior to being like oh I have nothing to you know like I can just be a tool in their belts like there's no savior like you can't save anybody like you can't rescue people but I can keep showing up and see and and meeting them where they're at and I can keep like offering who shows up for that right Um, which was very sparse because people would come and they'd be extracted by the police or they'd be on some like they'd be highly influenced in some of these places that I was teaching and It was always really unstable, but I kept showing up. I, you know, I comfortable with the wild energy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Comfortable
1: with that. Yeah.
0: And it taught me the fragility of people for sure. Mm. Like I'd come with these like used mats and I would sit down and I would just wait for people to come and sometimes they didn't, but a lot of the time they did. And they were just like, what is this? And I was, I just was like, well, what do you want it to be? You know, like I just kept meeting people, they were which led me to you know yeah i taught in the correctional facilities i currently now teach in the schools um because my kids of course my biggest teachers um i know that they need that too like especially Mm -hmm. right now right now, i mean i keep saying especially but yeah they've always needed it they always need that place of focus and that mindfulness and that kind of self-soothing practice of like getting in their body and knowing where they're at and meeting their feelings, where they're at, right? And now I, I just feel so lucky to be teaching at the juvenile correctional facility with Challenge to Change and just going through the process of like, what does yoga look like for our youth? And how can it be a tool for them in such a practical way um, that, you know, can really help them to remember or even. for them to continue knowing since we talk about how kids and teens have this intuitive that you know they're born into the world with the intuition it's what is taken away from them in the process that um is is what they need to work with but um yeah in the in the prison or in the juvenile correctional facility just meeting them where they're at and like every time is different it's so like sometimes uh, really, really unpredictable a story. Do you um, know, a story you know
2: what you said but you're un- you were unpredictable from birth yeah and you are I keep saying and yeah clearly see the yeah, unpredictable is, yeah. is your thread
0: yeah 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 sometimes okay. I'm just like oh they don't even want me to be here but there's those little slivers of some of the yeah, you know kids that are just about... like, do you have a story yeah do you have a story about oh my gosh I have so many stories but just like being able to get them from breathing in their chest to breathing in their belly and witnessing them open their eyes after, you know, a deep seat of awareness of like, you know, tapping into their senses and just seeing their eyes open and them look at me. And without any words, just seeing this like settled, subtle, Mm -hmm. but settled um, joy. I mean, they're, they're in a place where, you know, every time we talk about like, What do you want? They're like freedom, right? Yeah. And so at the end of we all want, right? Yeah. And at the end of it, you know, at the end of a practice. And sometimes it's just resting, really, you know, just resting their minds and, and imagining what it could be for them, like what they could do, what action they could do to be their best self, to be, you know, to have better behaviors, to do things that will get them to that place that they want of freedom. And then to see it in their eyes when they open them and just to, for them to be like, oh, I can feel it in myself. Shift. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, as we always say, it's not always outside of us, right? It's something that we feel internal that could start the, this. it could be the seed that is planted. And, and we do this together. Like it, it doesn't just take me, it takes them showing up too. like, we both have to show up. Um, and it's just like, it's such a gift to, to learn from them. And, and
2: sometimes they don't want to leave.
0: Yeah. And sometimes, you know, some of them <laughs> will right. verbalize it. Yeah. Some of them will verbalize it. Like, I'll I look forward to seeing you next week. And a lot of them, I don't even know if they're listening to me the whole time, but I just keep trusting that, um, I'm there and I'm looking them in the eye and I'm not seeing them and I'm not, I'm not seeing them as anything other than what they are there right there in that moment. I'm not seeing, I don't know what they've done to get there. I don't know where they're going. I just meet them right there and, um, and I love them there. You know, like I'm on a love path and I can't help it. Like I'm on a love path. Yeah, that's so true. I just can't help but love them right there where they are, Mm
1: -hmm. and I think they can feel that. They absolutely didn't you have a young woman come up to you and say, "I'm leaving tomorrow." I'm leaving this detention center. And will you tell me where you teach? Cause oh, I'm to yes. come visit yeah, you. Yeah, there was, yeah. Mm-hmm. She she was so
0: excited about getting out and and um, you know, she was just like, I've just loved practicing with you. This is like I've never felt so relaxed in my body before. And mm-hmm. she was just like, Where do you teach? And I was like, I teach, you know, at Heartland Yoga and I teach on Thursdays at 9 a.m. and come and you don't have to pet, like just come, like show up and it's on me. Like I was just so excited that she was seeking more and that she was so thrilled to be getting out too. Like it was such a, such a a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yeah.
1: So I want to know before we ask our final question (laughs) that she already knows what the question is, but because I think Kimberly is such a unique example of I mean, cause I think Kate and I, our story is sort of that we got conditioned. We lost our wild pretty early. Like I think I lost my wild at five and then went into these very tight boxes and conformed yep. and did the good girl route and did the law school route and did the grad school route. And, you know, um, so it took me um, like 35 years to return to my wild. And you clearly were away from it for a period of time, Kimberly, but you've lived, I think, more of the majority of your life yeah. in the wild, and so, what would be? And I'm so excited to hear your answer. <laughs> what would be your advice for people new to this path? Like, I feel yeah. like you're the grandmother. You're the crone yeah. energy here around. Like, okay, mm-hmm. ladies, let me tell you about being a wild woman because you lived it. Of, Yeah, like, of, mm, um, what's your advice right. and your benefit? Yeah. Holy cow! I don't think that's a big question.
0: Oh my gosh, it's so big. Yeah. Ugh. Can I sit for a minute with yeah. What would be my advice to be wild? And what are the
2: benefits? Yeah, just, yeah. What?
0: I mean, the benefits are like freedom, ultimately. Like, I don't feel like I have anything really, I don't have to, I don't have an allegiance to anything. Like
2: mm-hmm.
0: I don't even belief systems sometimes. I'm just like, if it doesn't work for me, if it doesn't harm anyone else, like what, you know, I don't need to be married to that idea of things. And that is so, fr- there's so much freedom there alone, right? So those are the benefits. And then how to get there. <laughs> I mean, Betsy oh, always laugh. says, get, get out of your head yeah. for sure. Don't overthink things. Think, think less, feel more
2: mm-hmm.
0: and keep like, keep, honoring the ground beneath you like I pay tribute and I bow in reverence to the earth below me the native land always I'm always you know Mm. saying it out loud you know and I feel like the earth is always supporting me in my wild Mm. because it is the ultimate wild the earth is the Mm. ultimate teacher of the wild and it has um so many lessons and so I just like, I bow to it in reverence and I, everything, you know, I made a, a pact with the earth of like, I'm here of service. And it just continues to, to gift me with um, my wild nature and my wild connections and my sense of self being not separate. So like not being, you're not, we're not separate from the wild. Yeah. So remembering that we're not separate from
2: the wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So get out into nature. Yeah. yeah. Like oh my gosh. I of course. Such a quick way. To- of course. Yes. Always. Yeah. yeah. So I know, you know, the question, but we're still going to ask because <laughs> we always love the different answers. Um, so what is the door that you took into your life as a wild woman? Was it the deep, deep scar? The old, old story? Do you love the sky and the water so much you can almost not bear it? Or are you seeking a sane life, a full life, a deep life? Mm. Which door?
0: I'll walk through all of them. But um, I think the one that if I had to choose one and I know you're not making me choose one. No, I'm not. <laughs> you put yourself in a box, Kimberly? I'm not. <laughs> I would not, I wouldn't do that too. Yeah, um, the deep scar is what, you know kind of like I think I needed to lose myself to really find myself Mm. so I think the deep scars and I've had many of them right I think that would be the door that I would would choose here and um yeah that would be it and and just to continue um as a reminder you know since again we a lot of this came to be this conversation was for my mother, just to a reminder, you know, to not apologize for existing, even when you have these scars,
1: right. Of like, yeah. It matter. You yeah. said earlier on this week, uh, take up space. There's enough yeah. space, like take up space, take yeah. up. Sp- oh gosh. Take up all the space. There's so much. And there's room for all of us.
0: All
2: of us. Yeah. There's room for all of us. Yeah. And on that note, I would speak for all of us to just a champion the 30 women and two men yes. mm-hmm, 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 uh, for their mm-hmm. courage and bravery to be here and to go deep and to do the healing work that they're seeking in a collective setting. And, and I honor all of them and both mm-hmm. of you for making that possible. And Costa Rica. And, and yes, to the, the land, land of Costa Rica. Rica. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And thank to all of the people listening, oh my gosh. Yes. To all of you. <laughs> you too. <laughs> Bringing everyone you so together. Much, Kimberly. We love you. <laughs> yes, we, love we, you. Love we love you. you. Thank you. Mm, thank you.
1: We have been blown away by how this podcast is resonating with people. So thank you for listening. We have a request of you. First, would you be willing
2: to follow the podcast on the platform that you choose, rate and review the podcast?
1: And lastly, if you have a favorite episode, please share it with a friend. So, it means a lot to us, and we want you to know we're so grateful to all of you, our listeners, who are on this rewilding path with us. Today's episode is sponsored by Kate Moreland
2: Coaching and Heartland Yoga. As a coach, I am an advocate for authenticity and well being for individuals, organizations, and communities. Through my coaching work, I like to help you connect to your authenticity whether you're an individual, a leader, or an organization, your creative power lies in your authenticity. Doing the work to understand your strengths and acknowledge the patterns and rocks that are in your way is the path to well-being. Whether it's your career or your relationship with yourself or others, transformative change begins within.
1: You can reach me at katemorlandcoaching.com. Heartland Yoga has been in business for nearly 15 years. I founded this studio with the intention for it to be a safe place where people could come and heal. I also knew that I wanted a business that fostered community and connection. So if you are looking to deepen your yoga practice, heal from physical, emotional, mental wounds, or simply connect with people who are like-minded, Heartland Yoga is a place that we would love to welcome you into, whether it's online or in person. You can find out more information at www.heartlandyoga.com. And now the amazing singer-songwriter Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.